Knock, knock. Who's there? Imperfect family. <laughs> Imperfect family who? You haven't heard of your own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Are you waiting all day to tell that joke? Maybe. <laughs> Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. Today's episode is Family Worship. All right, my dear. Well, this is kind of the first episode that you've planned for us, so what are we talking about today? All right, I'm really excited about today. We are going to talk about family worship. Woo! You're excited about it over there, huh? Yeah, I mean, family worship is like probably my favorite thing that we do as a family definitely it is such a precious time for us with the kids and with each other um i i also love this time so um chuck what is family worship i mean more or less it's just we basically do like a mini church service every day but i mean don't think of it as something very very formal i mean it can go anywhere from 5 minutes to 20 minutes based on <laughs> The attention span of the kids, how goofy we are, whatever. But it's just a, a precious. So we, you know, we gather together on Sunday mornings and with our brothers and sisters, we have worship together. And then we basically do the same thing with our little kiddos and um, right before they go to bed. I came across this great quote this week in a book um, actually about family worship. It's specifically about this. And it just says, it's unlikely that exposure to church once or twice a week will impress your children enough with the greatness and glory of God that they will want to pursue him once they leave your home. As I was thinking about this, like it's so true. If we're telling our children that God is so great, we need to worship him, but we're only going to church once a week and like kind of leaving it at that, like it's kind of sending a mixed signal there where what we're trying to do is just show them like every single day is when we should be worshiping God and let's do it together as a family and then, yeah, gather corporately with our, with our church. The way we kind of started doing this is uh, I hope our experience is similar to a lot of other new parents. So we have three kids, six, five, and three, almost three in like two days. Yes, three two days, days. Two days, yeah. But who's counting, right? So six, uh, five, and three. And when... Our first two boys were born. Um, we felt like we were doing the best we could, raising them in the Lord. You know, we would um, take them aside and talk to them about Jesus, take them to church, obviously. Um, but there was a sense of like, we're not doing enough. Um, we want to make sure that we're obedient to our call as parents to raise our children in the faith. You know, there's that classic verse, raise your child in the way they will go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Uh, we want to make sure we were faithful in that, and we felt like we weren't. Definitely. I think this is something that we kind of came into parenting. We were really naive. Like We just thought we would like, naturally know how to bring Christ into parenting, and it just wasn't as natural as we thought. And so we were really thankful that someone else kind of showed us this format, and it's worked really well for our family. So we just want to kind of work through what that looks like and share and hopefully it'll be helpful to other families as well yeah and that's exactly our hope is that hopefully you know if there's parents in situations like ours with 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 young kids with old kids whatever the situation might be um that what 
happen to fall into our laps can be of benefit to you. So what what happened was, uh, I I I'm a seminary student, so I've been in classes for a couple of years now, and one of my professors, uh, Dr. Donald Whitney, uh, wrote a pretty famous Christian book called uh, Personal Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And um, he also wrote a really, really small book called Family Worship. And in that book, which he required us to read for class, he talks about the model that we've adapted for our own family. Um, and what he talked about in class is just how throughout, throughout the history of the church, the way the faith has been handed down has been in the home primarily, not so much from the church. Yeah, and I just want to preface this too and just say that as we were adapting this for our family, it wasn't just like, okay, day one, we're doing this perfectly. It has been a learning curve for us, and it's taken us a couple years to kind of figure out what this looks like. But as we see that it's so important as we're learning these Bible stories of, you know, this is something that's been going on since Bible times, we see the importance of it and you know let's go ahead and put in that work because we're we're seeing the fruit of it yeah we would definitely recommend the the book family worship it you can read it in probably an hour and a half it's a really short book um but in it dr whitney talks about um the the history of of family worship throughout throughout the church he shares some really amazing stories about how um i think it was francis schaefer when uh when you would walk down the street in the town that family that uh, Francis Schaefer was pastor in, um, at a certain time of day, you could just hear families singing hymns down the street. Uh, it's just kind of this amazing picture. But he also brings it back to the Word and shows how, in Scripture, there is a model for family worship. I think my favorite uh, story that he pointed to in that book of the biblical examples was the story of Isaac, where um, right after he realizes what's going on with um he was about to be sacrificed he he says you know where where is the lamb and the point that don whitney makes in the book is how would he even know that a lamb was supposed to be there to be sacrificed if that wasn't something that was already implemented in their family he he was used to worshiping god in that way it's something that he had seen before because as a family they were worshiping and bringing sacrifices Another example he talks about is how in the Old Testament, how when, um, when you were a young man and the law is being taught to you, it's not like you went to church to learn the law. The law was handed down in your house from your father. Um, and that's how these boys carried on the faith. And so we kind of do the same thing. So, babe, let's talk about what we do for family worship. So I think we mentioned this. Sometimes this is a five-minute thing, and sometimes it gets a little bit more extended, and you know we get into 20 or 30 minutes. But for the most part, this is a pretty short, maybe 15-minute time before bed every night. And there are a few elements that are just kind of key to it. So first is that we sing together. Um, our kids know maybe 15 hymns. We teach them kind of the first verse of the hymn. And then the chorus. Um, our kids are still little, so for them to learn, you know, three or four verses would be a lot. But, you know, we just do one verse with them just to really get some core truths about Christ in their mind. And, and this, is, this is totally a preference thing, but we do hymns. Uh, we don't do, like, modern uh, Christian worship songs. And there's a reason. It's not, it's not that the worship is 
uh, that we're trying to get a certain type of worship or anything. But one of the things that we found is helpful is a lot of the old hymns have kind of confusing phrases or um, words that get our kids thinking. And so, you know, when we sing holy, 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 they're asking us, what does holy mean? And we, it just opens up these opportunities for our kids to learn these theological ideas that totally preference-wise, you might not learn from some modern Christian music. So we have found that hymns are really helpful for that. Yeah, I will say too, this at the beginning was the most awkward part for me. I come from a very non-musical background. I don't think I have a musical bone in my body. So Chuck, when you came and you were like, okay, we're going to start singing together. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't sing. I don't know how to do this and lead our family in this way. But bottom line is our kids aren't there to hear how beautiful my voice sounds. Like we're there to worship God together. And they don't care how good or bad that sounds. They just see mom and dad are worshiping and we're joining in that with them. Yeah. And we're, and we're, guys, this is really simple. We do one verse of a song. We are, you know, if it's a hymn that has a chorus, we'll teach them the hymn, the first verse in the chorus. Um, we don't use musical instruments. We literally just like pat our legs to keep the beat, which is like the cutest thing to watch our kids try to do. And there typically are five different beats going at the same time because no one can do the same one. Yeah, and we sing through our hymn. And, and I think to our kids, again, they're small. I think to them, this is their favorite part of family. Like, they ask, like, if, if there's a night where we want to rush the kids to bed, we've been out late or something, the, the thing they say to us is, Mom, Dad, we didn't sing. Even though we do all these other things, they always say, mom and dad, we didn't sing. And it's, it's really great to see that, you know, doing this every night, this is their, they're like, we don't want to miss this. We need to sing before bed. Yeah. It's been a blessing to see that, that that has become so important to them. And the reality is the singing part really only takes about two minutes. So, you know, if we are running late or, you know, we had small group that night or whatever, and we're getting to bed late, we can stop for two, three minutes, let the kids stay up and just worship the Lord together for those few minutes and then still get them to bed. So we also uh, just read a really small passage of scripture. So we've, we have used um, the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, Kevin DeYoung, what's his called, babe? The Greatest Story. I think it's called The Greatest Story. Yeah. We've used those two. Uh, the thing is, is if you're doing this every night, uh, The Greatest Story, I think is only like 10 it is 10 chapters. <laughs> 10 chapters. through it. And then Jesus, we've read through those books so many times that we've kind of found that just using the actual Bible is really great. <laughs> I don't want to downplay those, though, because for a long time, especially when the kids were a little bit younger, when they were two, three years old, like those stories were so wonderful. And we really love the Jesus Storybook Bible. So I would recommend those as resources, but we have read through it probably six times now. So yeah, we do just read straight from the Bible a few verses every night. Yeah. And we, uh, so far we've typically only been doing, I can't even think of, we've been in Mark for like, I mean, we're doing Mark on the commuter devotional and uh, that's felt like it's been forever, but with our kids, we're only reading like a few verses a night. So they're going to be like 35 and we're finally getting to the end. Yeah, of I mean, it's just that's the kind of stuff that's that's helpful to read for the kids to think through and talk through. Um, it's the, a really quick teaching. So, you know, we read a couple verses and some nights it's, um, you know, 
buddy, what do you think this word means? It might be just um, just a question of comprehension. Okay, so we just read that who said this, and that's it. That's that is our family like devotion for the night. Yeah, we also at the end of it, we don't do this every single night, but we are practicing the discipline of scripture memory together. So probably four nights a week, we'll go through the verse that we're memorizing and just, you know, kind of refresh the kids' memories and maybe add a little bit more onto it. They know four or five verses consecutive at this point. Yeah. And then the last thing we do is we always pray every night. And the way we kind of do this is, is we have uh, two older boys and we have one little girl. Each boy has a different night. So each boy has two nights. So that's four, five with our daughter, and then one for mom and dad. And that makes up our seven nights of the week. So um, every night, somebody, it's their night to pray. And then every night, we have something different that we pray for. So an example is we have great friends in Papua New Guinea who are missionaries called the Kitchens family. We pray for them every Sunday night. Yeah, and kind of what we try to do is um, we, we pray for missions. We pray specifically for our families. So there's one night a week where the kids specifically are praying for our marriage, which is just the cutest thing. They don't totally understand how to pray for that, but it's just cute. They'll say something like, God, help mom and dad to be married, which is cute. I love it. Um, and then, you know, we try to get a little bit bigger with that. So we pray for our family. We pray for members at our church. And then we kind of broaden that and we're praying for global missions as well. Yeah. And all of this is just to help them form the disciplines that hopefully will carry on into their um, adulthood. So here's the thing. One of the things that is hardest about starting family worship is starting it. Yeah, it was really hard for us at first. I mean, I remember in the beginning, it was just like, we didn't know what we were doing and it was kind of awkward, but we just tried to muddle through the best we could. And it didn't take us as long as I think we thought it was going to, to get a routine down and get the kids used to it. And I mean, when we started this, the kids were really little, two or three years old and like, they're not going to sit for 20 minutes, but you know what? They do. Um, and they look forward to this time and you do just the few different little elements. And really, they're not sitting for 20 minutes. It's three minutes of this and five minutes of that. And, you know, by the end, you've had just a really sweet time before the Lord as a family. One of the kind of what pushbacks that some some people might have is, um, listen, my kids are a little bit older. This would be really strange for us to just start doing after not doing it for 10 years. What would you say, babe? I think that my answer really for any situation is going to be the same. Like no matter what situation you're in, whether your kids are really little or they're older, it's going to be awkward for different reasons at the beginning. And I think that in either situation, just start it, give it a try. It's going to lead to good things, but it is going to be a little bit uncomfortable in the beginning, no matter what stage you're at, I think. Yeah. I And this is, so this is kind of an aside, but this is especially a call to fathers. Um, this is something that I think needs to be led by the dad. Surely the responsibility to lead our children in the faith is on both parents, but especially for fathers. So, you know, God's given us the role as head of the household. Um, you know, if you feel the, uh, the burden to lead your children better in the faith, 
to know God's word better, to see your kids sing great hymns of faith. I think an easy first step would just be like, talk to your wife about it, because I'm sure she would be ecstatic to hear that you want to start doing family worship at night with the kids. Um, And I think that would be a huge motivator of the two of you being on the same page to actually get it started. Yeah. And you're right. I I do think that this does fall on the husband's leading. But that's not to say that he has to be the one leading the actual worship session every single night. You know, there are nights where you are working or you're at meetings or whatever. And this is something we still do as a family, whether or not you're here. But I think the accountability of it happening is what falls on you. Definitely. And then, so if that's the, the first kind of pushback of how to get started, I would say probably the second one is, is keeping it going. Um, you know, there's going to be a million, bajillion, maybe even quadrillion. That's a lot. Yes. Of excuses as to skip family worship tonight. Um, and. Our family does this every night, no matter what. If I'm not home, Ellen leads it. If she's not home, I lead it. And ideally, we do it together. But if it's just, hey, we're going to sing a couple songs and we're going to practice our memory verse and we're going to pray before bed, that's family worship for the night. You know, and maybe the next night you spend a little bit of extra time in God's word. Um, whatever it needs to be to fit our crazy schedules. Um, staying consistent is so key to this. I think that this is one of those things that like you have to see it as a marathon, not a sprint. So you're right. You know, if there's one night where you're like, okay, we only have time to sing one verse of a song and then a one minute prayer and then we're done. That's not a failure because you're still showing the consistency of we're coming to worship the Lord every single day together. And every day it might look a little bit different, but we're doing it every single day because that's what God deserves is for us to come before him and worship no matter what. Yeah, it's amazing. So our encouragement is, um, you know, we've, we've stumbled upon um, something we're really thankful for. And we've seen this in our friends' lives um, become really amazing routines that they've put in place. I just uh, actually recently shared what we do with uh, a buddy of mine and he said he started doing it and it's just become a contest of who can sing the loudest at night and they just really enjoy that but you know if you're over our house for an evening um, we still don't skip family worship we invite you to be a part of it and we have done family worship with my family my aunts my um, my mom and my dad ellen's mom ellen's dad all of our friends from church have been a part of family worship and it's just like a huge thing that um, no matter what, we are not skipping it. I think that this is something, I think we could talk about this in a future episode, but I think that this is a great way as you're showing hospitality and welcoming people into your home, believers or not, to just have this be such a routine in your life as a family that no matter who's in your home, this part of the day is going to happen. And I think it, it could be a great evangelistic opportunity of, you know, you have your neighbors over for dinner, like, hey, after dinner, we have family worship, join us for it because you're in our home. And this is just what happens this time of the day. So last thing. So if you're looking for something to get started, and you're the kind of person who like, who's like me, and you want to get all your research and, you know, read a book or something, uh, family worship by Donald Whitney. Uh, 
any kind of Bible will do. And then we really like The Greatest Story by Kevin DeYoung and The Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. Those are just great um, books to have in your living room that will edify any family worship that you might put in place in your own family. And we hope you do. Yeah, those are great resources. We have loved all of them. Um, our Jesus Storybook Bible is like falling apart because we've read through it so many times. So we're thankful for it. It's a great resource. And I think any parent of young kids should should grab that one first. All right. Good, good job. Thank you. Thanks for putting that together for us. All right. So are you ready for your uh, John Piper uh, premarital question of the week? <laughs> I am ready. All right. So if you are new to the, the podcast, what we do is uh, John Piper, who we are both pretty big fans of. We, we really enjoy his, um, his shepherding. Chuck is a John Piper fanboy. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's true. He has kind of an infamous list of 70 questions to ask before you get married. Um, and they're just all kinds of questions about finances, about life, about theology, about what family might look like in the future. Just wise questions that uh, um, fiancés should kind of have conversations about to hopefully get on the same page before they actually bind themselves in the marriage covenant. So here's our question for today. Hit me with it. What are our expectations for togetherness? I don't feel like we need to spend like every second of the day together, but I think that it's important for us to just kind of be in contact throughout the day. So sometimes that's just like, hey, shoot me a text, like, hey, thinking about you right now. I think that's important. Um, and when we are together, a lot of times that you're doing your thing, I'm doing my thing, but we're just doing it together. And I think that that's just a sweet time for us a lot of times to feel connected, even though we're kind of working on our own things. It's funny, I think, these questions are meant to be asked of people who are dating or are engaged with their expectations after marriage. And I think, I think our expectations have definitely changed over time um, because, because of life circumstances, um, because of just marriage. I mean, I remember when we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, our expectation for togetherness was, I want to get away from you <laughs> more. <laughs> And I, I mean, not from a, not from a, I'm mad at you and I don't like you standpoint, just like a, man, it'd be really nice to just go in another room by myself. That's um, what happens when two introverts marry each other. Right. right. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, now one of the things that, at least for me is I've been noticing that I long for more togetherness without going into too much of the details of our personal life. There is a lot of mismatch between the two of our schedules. We're both very busy. We both need protected time to get things done. And that, that leaves a lot of apartness. I don't know. Is that the opposite of togetherness? Uh, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. A lot of, you're the English major. So <laughs> apartness. And um, so we're always, I'm always looking for more time to spend with you. And, and the same is for the kids. You know, I, constantly want to spend more time with them. So I guess as far as expectations, right now, my expectation is I want to spend as much time with you as I can, whereas before it may have been at times I want to spend a very specific amount of time with you. But I mean, as far as our schedules, are there any times that you want, you know, I think 
some people are really big on like, we want time together at dinner. Dinner time is family time. We spend time together then. Um, but speaking for just the two of us, is there any time that you want to spend that you would expect us to spend together every day? I don't think it's any specific time. I think that because our schedules are so busy and they tend to be somewhat opposite of each other, I think that just any time we can spend together doing our own thing but still together is beneficial for us. So it might be that, you know, after the kids go to bed, we sit on the couch together and you're working on homework and I'm working on, you know, whatever I need to do. But doing those things together, so just kind of taking our own personal things and and putting them together as one instead of like when we were dating, it was more like, hey, let's put everything aside and go out on a date night. Like that's just not practical at this point. So we just kind of have to find those times together in the midst of a pretty busy life that we're living right now. Yes, definitely. All right. What's your uh, what's your quote for me this week? All right. I was scrolling through Instagram this week. And this is what I came across. It says, many parents feel pressure for their child to be everything, and it's a one-way ticket to burnout and frustration. Hmm. It's the parenting wisdom that's out there right now. What do you think? Many parents want their kids to be everything. And it's a one-way ticket to burnout and frustration. You got it. To parents or to kids, do you think? I think to the parents. So it's burnout for the parents. Yes, I think because they're just kind of putting all their eggs in their kids' basket. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't, I kind of doubt that's from any kind of Christian source, but I think um, our expectation for, as parents for our children, should be um, certainly we have hopes and dreams. You know, we want we all want our kids to be lawyers and pro athletes, but ultimately, as parents, we want our kids to be kind of like what we talked about in the family worship today. We want our kids to grow up in the faith, to honor God with whatever they do in their lives. And I think, you know, if we're parents and we're singly focused on that one thing, um, I don't think we'll get very burned out. I think the important part here is just the reminder that, yeah, like you said, the, the focus is that we are speaking to them pointing them to Christ every day and not focusing on, did you get an A plus on your test? Or are you the best athlete on your team? I think that that's more what this quote is pointing to of finding your identity in your child in that way of, are they performing a certain way where what, what we're focusing on is what truth are we instilling in them day to day? Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, anything, any last words, Ellen? <laughs> I have no last words. Do you have any more jokes for us to end out today? You just brought the one. I'm all joked out. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, tell your friends about us. This We've been amazed at what Imperfect Family has already done in the first kind of month and a half here. Um, so tell your friends. Make sure you go on Apple Podcasts and rate us and let us know how we're doing. Yeah, and thanks again to everybody who has already left comments on there and left feedback for us. We've just been really encouraged by a lot of you. So um, continue telling your friends about it, and we'll see you all in two weeks. All right, see ya. Bye. 
Imperfect Family is a podcast from Commuter Ministries. For more information about our ministry, check out www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries.